Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. My guest is uh, Jessica Chang. She's the co-founder and CEO of a company called We Care, W-E-E-C-A-R-E, We Care. The website is wecare.co, and they're based in LA. And, uh, you know, we're going to, I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to have Jessica tell us uh, what the company's about. So, Jessica, thanks for coming on the podcast, and uh, tell me about We Care. Well, thanks, Richard, for inviting us. So, We Care is a, um, a platform for both sides. Uh, for parents and also providers in early child care. So from one perspective, uh, we help parents find quality, affordable, and convenient care. And on the other side of it, we empower the preschool teacher, the caregiver, the mom that's staying at home taking care of her kids to start their own licensed home daycare. And then we help operate it utilizing our technology platform. So what did you see in the marketplace as... Um the issues or problems or things that are lacking that cause you to come up with this? Yeah. Through my experience um, with preschools, I'm actually, um, I own three preschools in Los Angeles. And being a parent myself, um, I recognize the pain points parents were enduring when seeking childcare. It's expensive and there's not enough quality options to meet the demand. Now, one of the things I discovered was that there was only one available spot for every three children that needed care. And the cost can sometimes reach up to $3,000 a month. On the wow. other side of the spectrum, which is, um, you know, that's the parent side is pretty bad. <laughs> but on the other side of the spectrum, you're also looking at the people that are providing care. These are teachers, caregivers, who generally make one of the lowest wages in the industry. The average preschool teacher makes twenty to 30000 a year. So they can't even support their own families with what they do. So what we looked at and what we thought was was the issue that needed to be solved was actually both sides of the spectrum. So WeCare is really a platform that provides caregivers, educators, and entrepreneurs the tools and support needed to start a licensed home daycare and effortlessly manage operations so they can focus on caregiving. And then on the other side, we can actually help families because we're passing the cost savings to them directly, have access to affordable and convenient care. So how do you bridge the gap to get enough caregivers and uh, to earn enough and for parents to be able to afford it? Yeah, so a lot of the times, and you know, given my experience with preschools, a lot of the costs that are uh, being paid for by parents goes to overhead, right? So you have rent costs, you have insurance costs, you have a number of costs that aren't incurred from a home basis. Um, really what you're doing is, you're basically passing all the tuition mostly to the caregivers when they become a licensed home daycare. So if they are making twenty to thirty thousand as a teacher, they can make two to three times as uh, two to three times more as a as a caregiver, as a home daycare provider, and really starting their own business out of their home. On the same side of it, because the costs are reduced, families in general are saving thirty to forty percent of what they would normally pay to a preschool at a home daycare, but also getting still the same quality because we do provide a curriculum-based daycare. So 
they have the curriculum, they have the convenience, and they have the affordability. So, you know, what does it look like for someone that wants to do their own daycare? You know, how many kids, how many hours? Do you have suggested settings and, you know, parameters for doing it successfully? Yeah, so um, each each of our home daycares really operates on their own basis. We do suggest best practices, and we help them set up a foundation for their business. But in general, they get to decide their name. They get to decide what kind of um, care they're providing. In general, they're working about the same hours as they do as a preschool teacher. So um, sometimes they'll be open from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and those are normal times that really work for parents, especially working parents that have to travel far and they're thinking, okay, how can I have my kid in a great daycare, but at the same time, still be able to work a full-time job? Um, so what we try to provide is based on the community that the daycare is in, an actual home daycare that's going to work for the families in that community. And at the same time, you know, not adding extra time for the provider who normally in a preschool is working from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Now they're working for the same time, but at the same time, we're supporting their operations so they don't have to spend the extra hours after work worrying about being a director or being the administrator of their home daycare. Well, you said you run uh, several daycares now. So what are some of the things you've learned that make it work? And what are some of the things people do or should watch out for or avoid that would you know, ruin the daycare for them? What makes it successful? Yeah. So one of the, the, the key aspects that I learned is that a lot of the preschools that um, I looked at um, before I became an owner were, were pretty old school thought process. They've been operating for 30 plus years. And so a lot of the things that they were utilizing were from back in the days. But as you know, as as um, as times go, what we're learning and what we're teaching kids becomes different. And what we utilize as tool sets to help us operate also become different and more efficient, supposedly. <laughs> um, so for example, one of the things that I saw was that a lot of preschools were basically still accepting cash and checks. So you would see parents that don't, you know, parents these days, they don't have checks anymore, right? So sometimes you would actually receive cashier's checks and it was so inconvenient for parents. And then at the same time, if a parent forgot to pay, essentially the preschool director would be spending an hour of her morning trying to remind parents, don't forget to pay, don't forget to pay, don't forget to pay. But if you have an operating system in the background, where you can set up recurring payments, you can link directly to their credit card direct deposit, you've essentially eliminated that inefficiency. Uh, and, some, and some of the easier things that I also saw that were pretty, uh, I, was, I was kind of wondering why we're still doing this, is that a lot of the preschools didn't even really communicate that much with parents. So you can, now these days, you can put your dog in a dog hotel and see where your dog is doing every single day. And I was wondering, why can't we do the same for kids? So just by actually having the ability to have a communication portion to your, your system where you can send pictures of the activities your kids are doing to the parents, it actually also saves a lot of time and inefficiencies as well because you wouldn't have that helicopter parent that stays 30 minutes afterwards asking, what did my kid learn today? What were they doing? Instead, you could showcase it to them and say, hey, this is the daily progress of your child. Here's the pictures of the activities we did. Hey, they also went and pottied at this time, and they ate this for their snacks. So parents had a comfort level that they could immediately get through the use of technology. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was going to ask you, is it 
the communication that people want with um, their kids, is it disruptive or do you manage it so that it's not disruptive and yet they still get that enough interaction that they want and you can run your day and not uh, constantly have to, you know, put a kid in front of the camera to speak to their parents. Yeah. So definitely it is, <laughs> we try to make it as not disruptive as possible. And, you know, when it, when it came to we care, we really looked at it and said, how, how do we make sure that if someone was taking a picture that they're spending a second doing so, and they're not fumbling around trying to figure out how to take a picture and not giving the care that's needed. So mm. from our perspective, our platform can take a picture within two or three seconds, tag the child and send a message. And so then the phone goes back into the pocket and you still get the picture. But what we always say is there should be a good balance. You shouldn't be taking too many photos because that becomes disruptive to the classroom. But when there are times where you have a, for example, self-directed activity that the kids are doing, you have a little bit of time to step back and say, hey, let me take a picture of this wonderful drawing that your kid just done and send it quickly to you so you you feel happy and you share it with your friends as well. That makes sense. Okay. Very cool. What what surprises have you seen throughout this process, either with your own daycares or with the the daycares that you're helping people to set up? We get, um, you know, a, a lot of times... I think what we don't notice when we're in our own little bubbles is how much early child care affects um, families, right? You'll see, you know, we, we consistently get a lot of emails and calls in from families that are just like, thankfully, someone has decided to open a daycare in my community because I was driving 20 minutes just to go to a preschool that I can't afford. And my husband and I were shifting back and forth. Um, and it, it really is heartwarming to hear that because you're actually affecting real change. Um, on the other side yeah. of it, we, we get a lot of providers that, you know, have been caregivers for 30 years and they got stuck on the licensing process of uh, opening a home daycare and never progressed forward and just being so thankful and saying like, I had a language barrier. I'm so happy that you were able to solve it. Now I have my own business that I do with my mother. And we are so happy that we can actually affect um, change for these kids' lives and do what we wanted to do all from the start. And those, those, those things really make the impact for us as a company and why we work so hard to provide the right tool sets for the, for the providers and the families that we're affecting. Well, is it uh, so the path to licensing? Do you have it all encapsulated where it's a, a step-by-step process with the forms needed and everything? Is it a difficult process? And again, have you have you made it like really simple for people and just a step-by-step flow? Yeah. So our our technology platform actually operates completely on a native mobile app. You know what we what we realize is that a lot of people they'll have phones. Everyone has a phone. Everyone has a mobile cell phone, right? But not a lot of people have computers or desktops at home. So we wanted the ability to, we wanted to give the ability to people to be able to operate their business out of their pocket. And from that perspective, you know, one of the hardest processes is the licensing process. And it's not that it's, it's, it's difficult to go through. It's just that it's confusing. You know, the system hasn't been updated for the last 10 plus years, right? So when you read it and you'll read another document, they're not, consistent, right? Like one document will say this and the other will say that. So it confuses people a lot of times. Uh, and, and the other part of it is that, you know, 
from a licensed home daycare perspective, because the license is held by the individual that lives in the home, no one goes and applies for the license twice. So the knowledge isn't actually passed on from people. So from that perspective, once you've done it a couple of times, you know what the process is and you can help them understand mm. what potential shortfalls are there. And then what we did is we put it into our product and we have a whole onboarding process flow that allows them to go through each of the licensing portions step by step and makes it very clear for them. Yeah, that's funny. That's like a real good piece of wisdom. No one goes through the licensing process twice, not certainly not willingly. <laughs> So just by the fact that you've helped 50 people do it or 100 people, you'll know so much more about it than they will. Exactly. And we always try, you know, it's it's not not our job to make sure, like, if you get a license or not, but we're definitely going to be here to support you through the process. So instead of you doing it yourself and having no one to ask, you have a whole support team that's here that can say, okay, based on our experience, these are the documents that you need to fill out, and these are things that you need to get in right now. Okay, very interesting. What are some of the trends that you see um, in daycare that people that you're helping people to capitalize on and that you think are important? Well, one of the key aspects is is actually empowering women. So one you know one of the factors is that we do have a lot of women. Um, we actually have one male <laughs> provider but the rest of them are women and mm. actually empowering women to start their own business. So that's one of the trends that we're seeing is that there are more and more women that are actually saying like, Hey, I can start my own business. I can be my own owner and I can do what I still passionately love to do. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people being comfortable with that. And that might just be a direct trend of how the tech industry has evolved, right? You know, back in the days, if you ask someone like, hey, do you want to be an Uber driver? Someone's going to be like, what are you talking about? I don't want strangers in my car. But as right. platforms like Uber and Airbnb have come out and the whole concept of you can be your own business owner and you can be your own, um, you can determine your own time has really uh, become the norm for people. So what we've seen is a lot of people being very open to the idea of starting a home daycare and and actually running their own business out of their home. Um, so we didn't really have to, one of the trends we saw was we really didn't have to sell people to start their own business. People were very eager and willing to do so. Huh. So what does it look like uh, for the home business version of this? You know, how many kids on average, you know, what ages, how many hours mm -hmm. a week seem to be the, the recipe for making it successful? Yeah, so what we're seeing is really a licensed home daycare can run from zero to 12. Um, but most of them are really catered to the zero to six age. So this is where private, um, you know, private education still exists. K to 12, we have public school education. But really from zero to six, there's not that many opportunities available that are given to the public. It's really just the private sector. So most of our home daycares will take care of kids um, from infancy to kindergarten. Usually in terms of hours that they're working, it's probably closer to, um, you know, from 7 to 6 p.m. So that's really nine hours a day, 45 hours a week. And in general, um, based on the size of their home, they can open a small daycare with six to eight kids, or they can open a large daycare with 12 to 14 kids with an assistant on the side. Is it better for um, a person that runs a daycare to have their own kid that they put into the mix? 
or is it better for them to just to take care of other people's kids? You know, actually, generally, people that start home daycares, um, if you're a parent, for example, you'll actually, the reason why you're at home and looking for an opportunity like this is because you have to stay at home and you couldn't afford care, so you have a, a couple of your own kids at home. We see that um, generally for most people that have kids, they'll have their kids at their home daycare, and that actually makes them feel that they're doing this for a, a bigger purpose, not just for, hey, I love caregiving and I'm doing this because I'm a great caregiver, but I love caregiving and I want to instill the right qualities in my own children and help other families as well. And that gives them a better reason to stay as a daycare provider. Okay. Is it a strange dynamic if you have your kid and you're taking care of a bunch of other kids or do they, I, mean, I, I guess it depends on the age or, you know, the kids would probably love it and they have friends to play with, but. Yeah, I think for, for the age, um, when, when your kid's still in preschool, it, it doesn't seem like mommy's there. It's always like, oh, I have friends over and they're playing with me. Um, yeah. It might be a bigger effect when it's later on, but there's, when when kids are younger, there's there's no jealousy. There's no like my mommy's better than your mommy, um, and that's yeah, kind of same. the foundations that we're trying to set. Is if we start them early and we start teaching them the the right qualities of sharing and caring, um, they end up <laughs> not having a lot of those those uh, jealousy issues going forward. What about the parents? Do they worry that oh you know my kids are over at so and so's place? she'll take care of her kids better than she'll take care of mine. Does that ever happen? We haven't really seen that ever happen um, just because of how young the kids are. And I think because there's so much need for an actual um, child care that's close to you, most parents are are just happy that they have an option that's close to them and that's something that they can afford. Um, Mm. And then all this, at the same time, it's, you know, you, if you ever think about it, like you always know that family that takes care of kids really, really well. And you're like, if I, if I ever sick, I'm going to call that friend and I'm going to make sure my kid is taken care of by that friend. Um, right, right. You, you don't have that feeling of like, oh, they're going to get better treatment. Uh, and it's really a smaller environment. So people do feel more comfortable with saying like, hey, this is actually my neighbor. My neighbor is a great caregiver and I'd love for them to take care of my kids. Versus potentially in a, a preschool setting where you do have a lot more kids, and if the owner's kids are going to the school, you might be like, "Oh, is that child going to get more?" But it doesn't usually happen in a home daycare setting. Huh. Okay. And, uh, what do you see as the biggest stumbling blocks that people have? You know, like you said price, and it's very disruptive to the family, and they have to coordinate driving schedules and pickup schedules. Um, but in terms of running your own daycare, what do you see as a stumbling block? You said, obviously, the licensing process is confusing. Is it particularly difficult or expensive or time-consuming, or are there other aspects that prevent people from doing this? Yeah, there's really the, the biggest two blocks that we see. One is the licensing process, just because you know licensing isn't going to make it easier for anyone, right? Obviously, their job is to set a high bar, and people need to meet that high bar. We're making it easier for them to understand the process and to know that there's a support for them while they're going through that process. The second aspect, and I think which, what is really probably the higher bar for people, is understanding actually how to operate a business, right? Even though it is a home daycare, it's still a business. And the reason why a lot of home daycares 
don't succeed going forward is one, they don't feel like they're supported. And two, they have no idea what they're doing as a business. Like, what am I supposed to report for taxes? How do I get my liability insurance? How do I balance my books? How do I make sure of this and that? And what our aspect is and our value prop for them is, well, why don't you focus on teaching and let us focus on the operation standpoint so you can go on and do what you love doing and not think about the billings, expenses, the communication, the liability insurance, and all the aspects of it that make owning a business um, not, not, as, um, not as easy as it would seem. So really, we see a lot more people not wanting to do this or, or being hesitant to, to go forward because they don't know how to operate a business by themselves. So what is the, the, how does the pricing work or the structure work? If you help someone set up their own daycare in their home, um, yeah. you know, how does it work? I guess you provide them all the templates and you help them run the business aspect of it so they can focus on the teaching. But what, um, what's, what else is involved in that package? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so there's, you know, from from a perspective, you know, as as I was mentioning before, our whole business is based on being able to operate people's businesses out of their pocket. So really, the core features that we try to tackle are things that are taking time out of people's schedules, right? Billing is a big one. Expenses, so they kind of go hand in hand. Communication, so being able to communicate directly with parents, directly with us as well so that we can provide them the necessary support they need. But really kind of the last piece, and this is specific to early childcare, is the curriculum and activities part. In general, if you look in a preschool, you have an administrator, a director, and then teachers, right? The director usually takes on the responsibility, and that's their full-time job, to actually create the curriculum that is necessary for the teachers. So when you have teachers that are starting their own business, a lot of them don't have experience on, okay, how do I create the curriculum? How do I make sure that the kids are learning something new every single day? We have a, um, a whole team on our side that focuses on curriculum and focuses on creating the weekly curriculum and the supplies that they need so that they don't have to spend three hours in a given week to think about this. They can just utilize it, pull up their mobile app, see what the next day is about and prepare for it you know, with 10, 15 minutes of their time. Um, and our curriculum is done in a way so that it is enriching and it combines all the different types of uh, practices like Montessori, Reggio, Waldorf, even Sesame Street <laughs> into it so that there is a combination that they're giving the, the kids a great learning experience so they can be excited about it. Um, and probably the last piece of it is also how they find leads, right? So we are a managed marketplace in, in the grander scheme of things. So we help them not only get leads and help to manage those leads and convert them to enrolled kids, but we also teach them how to market themselves, how to really understand what parents need and how to actually show that. Okay. Very good. What about um, language or ethnicity? Do you find that, um, let's say, you know, Filipino person they'll be better to watch other Filipino kids uh, either because of language or culture you know, or ethnicity, or is it better to mix up ethnicities or what, any recommendations there? So we, we definitely recommend, um, and what we definitely see becomes a, an enriching part is actually mix, mix matching cultures together. And one of the key components to our learning and curriculum is 
learning about different cultures and experience different cultures in your own little community. Uh, we do have schools that have a bilingual focus, but that doesn't mean that, hey, just because we're Spanish, we also do Spanish and English, that we only want to accept Spanish kids, um, Spanish-speaking kids, sorry. Um, this really gives an opportunity for parents to say, okay, you know, we live in a, a, a melting pot in Los Angeles and, and in the U U.S. as well. Why don't we actually give opportunities to our kids that we might not have had when we had when we were growing up? So certain of our daycares that have Spanish speaking, you'll see that a lot of the parents there are not native Spanish speakers. Um, we'll also have Chinese bilingual daycares as well. And a lot of the kids there, their parents are also not native Chinese as well. Um, and mm. it's, it's, a, it's a greater, it creates a better learning and enriching environment for the kids when they're exposed to different languages from the start and different cultures from a very young age. Yeah, that's true. I know with my kids, you know, they're a little bit older now, but you know, they would watch YouTube and watch people in all kinds of languages and accents, and it didn't bother them. It was just totally normal, you know, and when they were younger, I mean, even now too, but they would just play with kids of all races. There was no barrier, no thought. It was just, there's another kid. doesn't matter what they look like or sound like, you know, so yeah, yeah it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, kids kids are very <laughs> innocent, and the the more that we can help inspire them at a young younger age, the more it becomes just the norm for them. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, very good. So what's the best way for um, parents that are in need uh, to contact you? Yeah, so if uh, if parents are looking for care, we always suggest them to visit our site, uh, wecare.co, so W-2-E-E-C-A-R-E-N.co. Um, we have, uh, parents can actually go on and actually find daycares that kind of suit their needs, and they can search for daycares that are around their community as well. That's great. Well, Jessica, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, I'm glad someone's taking care of the kids because as a man, I, I that would be like one of the toughest jobs I could ever think of. So yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you do what you do. It's definitely a tough job, but we want to support the providers that are doing one of the hardest things um, for us. And guess what? The more the more kids that we can get into early child care, the better it is for us going forward. And it's really the future of our are the next generation, right? So um, yeah, definitely. I'm very happy with what we're doing right now. That's great. Well, thanks. And thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. And have a great day. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.